0: Year marks the 50th anniversary of the start of the digital publishing revolution. From the very first entry into Project Gutenberg's database of electronic and freely accessible documents, digital publishing was born. The space has come a heck of a long way since that first entry and in the first episode of this miniseries we explored the history of blogging, the current era of digital publishing, industry software options, as well as platforms that transform content from being produced in a vacuum to collaborative co-creation. This is the Digital Republish Project. I want to preface this second episode by saying that while a number of the ideas contained within may allude to the fact that printing is no longer relevant, that's not the message here. The printing industry is such a huge, multifaceted space that represents billions of dollars to the economy every year. Printed newspapers and books represent a relatively small subsection of the industry as a whole, and while the prevalence of digital publishing is steadily increasing, it represents a small subsection of publishing as a whole. Both digital and printed publications have pros and cons. Both play a role in our everyday lives. Both are important. Just like any industry, the graphic communications industry that includes printing is shifting and morphing and evolving. Until we can package our breakfast cereals inside of an iPad, printing has a necessary and promising future. Let's hear from four more creative minds who will help us better understand how digital publishing can and has evolved through leveraging technology. First, Kalea will invite us to consider the prevalence and possibilities in embracing remix culture through harnessing digitally available works. Next, Stephen will explain how continuous publication, fueled by the constant hum of information provided via social media platforms, is reshaping the digital news landscape. Bronwyn will help us understand the concept of paywalls. And finally, Dominique will speak to the importance of, and the opportunities for, incorporating accessibility and greater user interaction in the digital publishing landscape. Let's do this, Salaya!
2: My name is Salaya Gonzalez. I'm a freelance graphic designer currently studying an undergraduate degree for Graphic Communications Management at Ryerson University. I'm very passionate about the print industry and I run a small cookie business in my free time. To see more of my work, visit my Instagram at de.signs.pdf. Digital publishing, creative remixing, and relevancy. How many of your creative projects have been inspired off of others? Whether you are a designer, a writer, or simply just consider yourself a creative soul, there's a very high chance that you've searched for inspiration and prefer doing so online. Although nobody can deny the feeling of nostalgia when flipping through the pages of an old-fashioned book, nowadays we mostly turn to a digital format. How many times have you tried to find information in a book and ended up taking three times more than if you just had used the internet? The efficiency of online sources is achievable thanks to digital publishing and the multiple decades of evolution it has endured to become what we know it as today. In this article, I will be discussing digital publishing and the impact of remixing previously printed sources with new information and ideas. The Digital Revolution According to Steve Schoenhurst's article in 1999, the digital revolution was a huge factor in the way we communicate and distribute information across the globe. In the late 20th century, this movement was characterized by the heavy use of digital technologies to store information and data. Besides from making the process of information gathering faster and more efficient, this uprise of technological advances brought to the world the ability to access documents from all around the globe in a matter of seconds, thus permitting us to obtain information from the other side of the world without leaving our living room. This has undoubtedly changed the duration of relevancy of many documents that, had it not been for constant discourse online, would have become obsolete and forgotten over the years. Remix culture As Kirby Ferguson raised during his TED Talk, the three steps to creativity are copy, transform, and combine. This suggests that nobody is patient zero of creative works, insofar as every single idea is thought of because of the existence of another. A sort of remixing. Remix culture is defined as a society that allows and encourages derivative works by combining and editing existing materials to produce a new creative work or product. Digital publishing has fueled countless new products that, without the easy access to a vast library of information found in the digital format, could have never been. Although the art of remixing has been known to exist as far as ancient Greece, remixing something old with an influence of innovative concepts has never been as convenient as it is now. The internet serves as an infinite and timeless database that facilitates the search of any kind of information. One of the biggest digital encyclopedias is Wikipedia. This could be considered the most common example of the handiness of information digitization, as each article combines dozens of other sources that lead to more articles with more sources and so on. This is also a clear evidence on how an idea or work cannot be without the help, inspiration, or guidance of others. Another example of this idea in action is that of a contest held in 2009 to celebrate the free digital release of a book called Remix, Making Art and Commerce Thrive in the Hybrid Economy by Lawrence Lessig. The contest asked participants to take multiple Stanford research papers and make them into something new. Could be a video, a photograph, article, or any creative project. Successfully, plenty entries were submitted and proved that remixing of old concepts is essential to maintain these concepts relevant, while adapting them to current situations and environment. Final Thoughts To get to the heart of the matter, the rise of digital publishing in the late 20th century has brought countless benefits to the human race. Although print books will always be a part of the human experience, digital publishing and the remixing of both digital and physical copies is currently a crucial concept to maintain relevancy and interest in older topics and stories as well as aiding us to intertwine cultures and perspectives. Perspective is a valuable thing when it comes to remixing and finding inspiration and is now more than ever influencing our creative paths, processes, and projects. Copying, transforming, and combining elements from different sources to state an innovative and rich perspective on a certain topic has been the trend for many years. And thanks to digital publishing, it's easier to do every day. Copy. Transform. Combine.
0: We are all interwoven into the fabric of creativity. Ideas merging and converging, dissolving and evolving. Remix culture is a powerful and ever-present idea. In fact, the defining and refining of the concept of remix culture was likely a remix itself. Thank you, Saleya. With so many great ideas floating around in the world, ready for us to remix and put our own spin on before re-releasing them into the wild, are there any rules about when content can be published? While traditional publishing schedules and editorial calendars of yesteryear would have us believe that there is a black and white, right and wrong schedule to publish content, Stephen has us thinking in greys and believing otherwise.
3: Hello, my name is Stephen Fernandez, and I'm a student at the School of Graphics Communication Management at Ryerson University. I'm also a freelance graphic designer, and you can view my work on Instagram at sfdesigns. Continuous publication, a present day publishing trend. Social media has revolutionized the way we consume news. Stories spread like wildfires, reaching the screens of our phones and computers within mere minutes. This has become an extremely effective way of reaching many people in a short amount of time. As a result of this, the humble newspaper has slowly become obsolete. That isn't to say there is no longer demand for newspapers, but the fact that many newspaper publishers have begun to pu- release articles online as well suggests that physical newspapers are fading from relevance. As a result of shifting to publishing articles online, a new trend has emerged among publishers. Many publishers have adopted a practice known as continuous publication. What is continuous publication? To put it simply, Continuous publication is the act of publishing articles as soon as they are ready. Continuous publication takes advantage of the fact that articles no longer need to be printed physically. Because of this, there is no need to group articles together to print in a daily newspaper. In addition to this, there's no longer anything cost-effective about holding articles and releasing them in a monthly magazine edition, as there are no longer any costs for printing the articles. Continuous publication is not only relevant for magazines and newspapers. Some research journals have also made the switch to continuous publication. An example of this is the Autopsy and Case Reports journal. In their new publishing system, once articles are peer reviewed and approved by their editorial board, they are immediately proofread and published. The journal continues to collect articles for their quarterly journal releases, The continuous publication of articles does not interfere with the regular publication of the journal, but simply increases the availability of information for readers. Why use continuous publication? Social media has changed the way we receive our news. It has allowed news to reach us almost instantly. People are losing interest in waiting for the newspaper. We want to know what happened as soon as it happens. This demand for news has only become more exaggerated during the global pandemic. People expected the latest news on the amount of cases there are. We frequently would check our phones every day to find out how many cases there have been. Continuous publication allows news sources to meet this increasing demand for new information. Because of this, it has become increasingly important for newspapers and magazines to be the first ones to release new news. Gaining a reputation for being the first one with the news can help a news source attract more readers as people trust them to be the first one with the latest news. This is important for many magazines and newspapers as growing a dedicated reader base is one of their main sources of revenue. Continuously published articles are usually given their own webpage making it easy for readers to read the full story in one sitting, making it a much more convenient choice. Concluding Thoughts. As the demand for news increases, people's attention span appears to be shortening. People want news faster and they want to be able to read it faster. Quantity over quality. Newspapers and magazines scramble to meet this demand as they try and survive in a dwindling industry the future for this industry seems uncertain. Will news companies be able to keep up with their seemingly unsatisfiable desire for faster news?
0: In a world where speed equals relevancy, it makes a lot of sense that continuous publication, powered by digital technologies, tools, and techniques, is breaking down preconceived ideas of when publishing happens. Thank you, Stephen. While lots of up-to-date information exists online and is published continuously, will readers pay for it? What is a paywall? And in what situations will readers fork over hard-earned cash for digital content? And in what situations will they not?
4: Please enlighten us, Bronwyn. Hi, my name is Bronwyn James, and I'm a student at the School of Graphic Communications at Ryerson University. I have a strong interest in graphic design and digital publishing. The decline of paywalls in the digital era. I frequently find myself researching something and coming across what I think would be the perfect article on the topic I'm looking for, or the recipe that looks delicious in the preview pictures that Google shows, only to be blocked by a paywall. Like many people, I grumble to myself and click away in favor of searching for a different free option. This begs the question, why are we so reluctant to pay for digital content? A little background. Paywalls originated in the early 2010s when newspapers had seen a decline in their print sales, a trend that is still continuing now and doesn't show any sign of stopping. The widespread popularization of the internet allowed for free access to tons of news and at the same time, people were beginning to try to minimize their paper usage, as if that alone would solve the climate crisis we know better now. So it didn't make sense for them to have a paper delivered every day or week. Publishers also use paywalls as a tactic to up their print subscription rate. For example, it would be cheaper to buy a package subscription of both the digital and print version. According to Joseph Lichterman, in 2016, 80% of American newspapers had some form of paywall. The paywalls, though, have not always worked to the advantage of the publisher. Jillian Reagan found that about 82% of readers would abandon their favorite news site if they put up a paywall. According to an article by Eric Schoenfeld, the Times UK implemented a paywall on their site and lost 4 million unique visitors, while page views fell 90% in only four months. A study reviewed by Kristen Sens has found that paywalls are the best option for publications with high circulations and a lot of high-value exclusive content. In these cases, paywalls can increase overall sales, but this often presents itself in higher demand for print subscriptions. So readers still aren't paying to get through the paywall. Publications with less exclusive content and those that have smaller circulations often experience a decline in readership when a paywall is implemented. Sandra Martin has seen the shift from print to digital firsthand in her career as an editor and publisher for various newspapers and magazines. In 1999 she worked at Money Magazine and she's wound up there again, now in a completely digital format. According to her, people don't want to pay for content when it's delivered online. Originally, she says, readers could access all of the content that had been printed online if they just waited a while. We unwittingly conditioned the audiences to expect content for free. Often as well, readers opt away from subscriptions to a paid site like The New Yorker because they know that they won't get their money's worth it. Sites with soft paywalls that allow you a certain number of free articles before you have to pay tend to drive readers away once they've reached their limit. According to Igor Eurowik, another reason for this is the niche that many online publications have now. If a reader is looking for a cake recipe for a special occasion, they probably don't want to pay a six-month subscription for a cake-specific site. Cheating the system. Readers have also been finding sneaky ways to get around paywalls. There are many articles and YouTube videos out there claiming to know how to go through every paywall, whether that be true or simply clickbait. A teacher that I had in high school once showed our class a way that we could read articles for an upcoming paper without paying for them. This really shows how much readers want free content. Should we keep implementing them? Overall, no, unless you can guarantee that your publication is desirable and has a large enough audience that will pay the fee. It's not in the nature of the reader to pay all of a sudden if the content has been free for so long. Why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free and whatnot?
0: Free content indeed. With an overwhelming amount of excellent, relevant, up to date, free information available on the internet, this podcast included, it's no wonder that so many users don't see the value in paying for similar content. This is a bigger topic that we don't have time for here and now, but this discussion begs the question as to whether or not free versus paid content is actually similar. For example, amidst an era of fake news, the Atlantic magazine ramped up their fact-checking efforts, which is one of the factors they say contributed to their unprecedented rise in digital subscriptions in 2020. Quality fact-checked content aside, Digital publishers who wish to get readers to pay for the content versus having advertisers pay or relying on other revenue streams must determine specifically what their readership believes adds value above and beyond the available free content on the web. Print may very well be part of that strategy. Thank you, Bronwyn. As the amount of content available grows, so does the audience who will read and take in this content. This means that more care must be taken as to how accessible documents are that are published online. Accessible design is good design and benefits all readers. Furthermore, there are new and interesting ways in which users can have their voices heard within a traditionally static digital publishing world.
1: Talk to us, Dominique. My name is Dominique Pohl and I'm an undergraduate student in the Graphic Communications Management Programme at Ryerson University. As a content creator, I'm keen on engaging in discussions relevant to the graphic communications and design industries. Accessibility and social interaction, obstacles or success stories in the future of digital publishing. Digital publishing refers to the dissemination of readable content, such as ebooks and magazines via digital platforms. Since the advent of digital publishing in 1971, society has embraced its development as a necessary phenomenon of the technological era, emphasized by the emergence of portable technologies such as iPhones, iPads, and Kindles. Despite the significant advancements made thus far, digital publishing holds endless possibilities for the future. In a society experiencing separative and isolating effects of the COVID-19 virus, our generation craves inclusion and togetherness more than ever. Thus, industry professionals must now reckon with several key questions. How can we make digital publishing more inclusive and accessible? How can we manipulate digital publishing to simulate social context? Where do we go from here? Accessibility in the future of digital publishing. Where are we now? In Level Access' article entitled, What Does the Future Hold for Web Accessibility Guidelines, Dr. Greg van der Heiden, provides a critical observation that encapsulates the relationship between accessibility and technology in the digital sphere. Disabilities do not change. Technology changes. Thus, industry professionals have a significant responsibility in ensuring that their digital content caters to individuals with disabilities. The emergence of the EPUB, Simply Electronic Publication, eBook file format has defined the current standard for accessibility in digital publishing. According to the DAISY Consortium, the EPUB initiative is supported by various electronic devices and strives to define accessibility requirements in e-publications. Dr. George Kirscher's article, The Future of Digital Publishing An Optimist View, reveals that the format currently provides interactivity, non-Western languages, audio and text synchronization, and comprehensive accessibility for the visually impaired. As revealed by S. Hilderly in the DAISY Consortium weekly webinar, its latest version, EPUB 3, has earned the title of the most accessible publishing standard yet. Although EPUB publications represent a step in the right direction, the world of digital publishing remains difficult for disabled individuals to navigate. So, how can we use technological advancements to create enhanced spaces of inclusivity in the future? Accessibility and the future of digital publishing. Where can we go? According to the World Health Organization, approximately 2.2 billion people are visually impaired worldwide. Therefore, accessibility cannot be an added feature. Instead, the future of digital publishing must actively consider accessibility as essential to content creation. Think enhanced text-to-speech features that mimic the native accent and dialect of visually impaired users, encouraging greater understanding. Perhaps text-to-speech features can pre-scan a body of text and alter its intonation based on punctuation and dialogue cues to create an immersive experience. In the technological revolution, anything is possible. By creating more spaces of inclusivity, individuals can hope to better facilitate social interaction on a larger scale than ever before through digital publishing platforms. Social interaction in the future of digital publishing. Where are we now? IDEO's The Future of the Book theorizes digital publishing as evolving through the Coupland concept. Literary discoveries become a social activity in which readers can connect through shared libraries and recommendations. IDEO predicts a world in which digital publishing developments could mimic real life book clubs while transcending physical limitations like time and geography. Although major e reading giants such as Goodreads and Amazon e readers have made significant advancements in the digital publishing field, the future does remain uncertain. Good e readers editor in chief Michael Kozlowski attests that major e reading organizations exploit book sharing as advertisement losing the meaningful connection of the book club. Further, he is doubtful that e-reading organizations will create genuine virtual book clubs in the future. Kozlowski's desire for a meaningful connection is characteristic of the modern age, primarily as we seek to recover from the isolating pandemic. However, with technology's assistance, how far can organizations emulate the classic book club experience and facilitate social connections? As an avid reader, the ability to immediately share thoughts on my most recent literary conquest, whether it be the latest Margaret Atwood novel or my fourth reread of Harry Potter, is intrinsic to my reading experience. While e-platforms facilitate sharing opinions through ratings and reviews, the lack of immediacy and connection rests behind the expectations of the modern era. Future possibilities are endless. Consider collaborative reading on e-readers, including real-time text chat for immediate discussion. Hosts invite individuals to collaborative reading sessions and can unmute participants to vocalise their thoughts. Everybody has an opportunity to highlight parts of the text and use the chat box or the voice chat to share opinions. Saved sessions can encourage reoccurring collaboration and inclusion of similar groups worldwide. Perhaps with these enhancements, digital publishing can mould meaningful, immediate connections through book sharing. Although the technological age has earned the reputation of being cold and socially withdrawn, the modern generation craves inclusion and connection more than ever. After all, underneath the layers of metal, mechanics, and Bluetooth, we're all still human.
0: Accessibility must be considered to be more than simply an add-on. To improve both the quality of content and that content's reach, creators must build accessibility into their digitally published works. Furthermore, there are so many interesting and unique ways to imagine greater interaction among users, as well as between readers and the publisher, and even with the authors themselves. Whether through leveraging current social sharing technologies or creating entirely new ones, the possibilities are exciting. Thank you, Dominique. And thank you to all of our contributors to this episode, Saleya, Stephen, Bronwyn, and Dominique for sharing your ideas. There are so many exciting possibilities surrounding what we can create, share, and build with the world through connecting our digitally published works with one another. We'll soon be releasing our final episode in this mini-series, featuring four more creative minds who will teach us about what's near, new, and next in digital publishing. The power of the PDF, the prominence of virtual education, the predilection for NFTs, and the possibilities of AI in digital publishing will all be explored. Stay tuned.